Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Shore Sports Network football podcast. Bob Batters once again back with Scott Stump, and we're on to week six. It is, uh, it's getting late early, the old Yogi uh, Berra saying. Some, some big games in week five uh, and a bunch more coming up. We can actually get to the point where I think we start talking about the playoffs. We'll touch on a little bit uh, on that a little bit with, with each team. But uh, just first, Scott, how's it going, man? Another week. It's We're in October already, which is a little wild. No, we're really in crunch time now because this coming weekend, we have games that can clinch like at least a tie for division titles already. Um, we have teams that you're looking at those power rankings and you're like, if you don't win this week or something, like you could be out. So this is kind of like make or break time for a lot of team seasons as far as which direction they're going to be headed in, um, which is always fun. I mean, obviously, my biggest hope is that it's not raining every hour for like oh. days on end while we're trying to go to these games. You have uh, Thursday and Friday were like the night. Friday, I spent most of the morning picking up mums and hay bales and corn stalks for my daughter's soccer team fundraiser like in the absolute pouring rain, like 65 mums. Like I look like I own a farm, my front lawn right now. So, yeah, I'm. The sun came out on Saturday afternoon. What is that thing in the yeah. sky? Yeah, it was like this something blinding is coming through the window. Like, what is that? Yeah. 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 It's not nice to be be dry. So and it, and, it, was, and it ended up spreading the games out over what four days? Yeah. I mean, the the final game of the week just ended about 20 minutes before we jumped on, start recording this. Um, because that a game got pushed to Monday for the second straight week. So yeah, it, the schedule's been all over the place with the weather, par for the course in the fall. But hopefully, we're we're through the worst of that now, and we can get a normal weekend with some dry weather. Because you know, there's nothing worse than standing on the sidelines covering a game, trying to do stats. The papers melting from the rain. Right. It's just it's futile. And yeah, you're either like, okay, fun. I need to get some blurry video and hope my phone is not like being destroyed by this rain right now, or like you said, trying to keep stats while the sheets are getting soaked and they're fraying apart. And, you know, I think, and then honestly, just from an evaluation standpoint, I never like it when two really good teams play and it's like a wild, horrible weather game. So you don't really know what they would have been like if the conditions were not, were perfect, you know, as far as like, geez, did the rain take away what this team does best and kind of alter what the whole game would be? So that's the, that. besides my own personal not wanting to stand there like a wet rat is also like, yeah, you want to see teams like playing at their best and not having to just kind of slog through it the best they can. Um, I mean, you were at two games. It's funny, the, the one game that you were at on Friday night, like I'm like, those teams could play in the rain every weekend and they'd be mm-hmm. the same, Middletown South and Colts Neck. I mean, they're they're running the ball and they're coming right at you. They're kind of like prepared to be all-weather teams. But um, before we get to that, we got to start with the big game on Saturday because that was the headline game of the weekend right down the right down the road from you. It absolutely was. Uh, number four point borough, excuse me, number six point borough, hosting number four Rumson Fairhaven. Big non-divisional game, you know, Rumps in a group two power, was in the group two state final last season. Point Borough has been a sectional championship contender the last three or four years, you know, trying to, you know, make a name for themselves in group two, make a statement, and man, did they do that. 42-28 win over Rumson. The offense was unstoppable, and that is not hyperbole. 
The Panthers had 519 yards of offense. Funny, I'm adding up the stats like towards the end of the game because I'm like, man, this is this seems like a lot. Like they have their rushing yards are high, but they've also thrown for like a buck fifty. Like I'm on my calculator and I was like, whoa, you didn't expect to see a five as the first number. But yeah, just a huge win for Point Burrow. You know, I wrote in my story on shoresportsnetwork.com. I mean, I went back as far as you can on Gridiron, New Jersey, with the individual schedules. And Rumson hasn't had an opponent of that caliber, you know, in that kind of game with something to prove in at least 20 years. You know, they were in B-South for many years. You know, recently it's been Manasquan. They've kind of had to beat to get over the hump. But it, no one like a Rumson team that has, you know, won seven sectional titles in the last 13 years and has been to nine straight title games. You know, this is one of the most consistent public school teams, not just in the shore, but in the state. So it's a big challenge for Point Burrow. And they, I mean, they answered it every way you could have imagined. I mean, Matt Oliphant had, you know, about three, over 300 yards by himself, four TDs, Jake Croce, 202 yards rushing. It was just an impressive game in all areas for Point Burrow. I think the two things that jumped out to me that are positive signs for, Point Borough getting through the section, winning that and moving on. We're Oliphant going seven for seven for 156 yards passing and yeah. three touchdowns. And then also them holding Owen O'Toole to 161 yards passing. Because if we remember the way the way they lost last year against Willingboro is they could not stop the pass game. Like it, and just it, getting beat over the top. Yes. Just long touchdowns. Right. So in other words, they seem like they've tightened up their game as far as the secondary is concerned and like defending the pass, getting off their quarterback. Also, the the you know, you always wonder with option teams, well, if their quarterback has to throw the ball, you know, are they gonna be okay? Are they gonna still be able to make plays? And Oliphant was literally perfect. And yeah, he was one big pass after another. I mean, he they basically dared him to throw in some spots, and he threw three touchdowns on them. They, you're not kidding. That in the terms of they dared him to throw it, there was a point. I want to say it was second quarter where Rumson literally had all eleven players in the box. There was no one back there, and of course, you know, point guard head coach Brian Staub said, "Yeah, we expect them to adjust." So then they had to adjust back, and they did it through the air. They also did some crazy stuff in the second half. They went to the muddle huddle, which you only ever see on two point plays. You usually don't see them snapping it. They snapped it. They're hitting the center eligible down the field. Like they emptied their bag. Um, and they kind of hinted they had some other stuff they didn't show, uh, just in case. I was say, they, well, the, they, the feeling is who knows if they see them again. You don't want to show them everything. Exactly. But what, what stood out to me for Point Borough, other than you know, the statistics and how just the X's and O's and, and how well they played was their approach. Like they did not play that game. Like, hey, let's keep it close and try to win. Like, they went out and just tried to take it, like, right from the jump. And you saw it in the way they coached. You saw it in the way they called plays and in the way they attacked Rumson um, and the way they played defense, too. It was just a very, very smart game, very well executed. And then when you do that, you see the kind of talent that they have. You know, Matt Oliphant, you know, ran for 145 yards and a touchdown as well. Jay Croce, 202 yards rushing and two touchdowns. And they got a bunch of guys involved in the passing game. You know, Brian Samoz, who's a senior slot back for them, had a really big game. You know, they got a lot of weapons. It's usually all fun and crochy, but you saw the depth that they have, especially offensively. And then, to me, also, their offensive line. Like, it's easy for them to get lost in the shuffle when the skill players are doing what they did. But they not only held their own, they paved the way for 390 yards rushing, you know, against a, a formidable front. 
And we, we talked about this after the Toms over North game. And we all know about North's offense and what they did against Rumson. We're like, who does that against Rumson? And Port Burrow right. went out and did one better. I mean, that's you can't say enough about that. Again, regular season game, uh, but it was again well, offense, and, and, defense, and, special teams, every every quietly. Aspect. This streak is really getting up there of Point Borough being unbeaten against Shore Conference opponents. Matasquan yes. is the last team to beat them from, and that was in 2021. They did mm-hmm. not lose to a Shore Conference team last year. They're undefeated this year. I mean, that streak's really pushing up there. Um, I think the big thing for them too is, you know, looking at their quotes in your story. They took a pretty business-like approach. Like that's a huge mm-hmm. win for them, but they yeah. more acted like, yeah, that's great but we got to keep pushing forward. In other words, last year we had a great regular season and we made it through everything and we were flying high and it all came down, crashing down in one game. So it feels like they, they're still pretty focused on like, we we're not going to be satisfied until we at least get the section and make mm-hmm. a run at the overall title. But it was like certain teams, if you beat Rumson like this, you did euphoric, like you almost won mm-hmm. some sort of championship, but they treated it like we, a, we may see those guys again, and yeah. B, you know, yes, this was important, but our goals are so much higher than this. So I think I, I like their approach that they've taken this yeah. year of like, you know, it's really the playoffs where we still have to prove ourselves. I think their perspective was excellent. It was very honest, too. They didn't downplay the win because it's a great win. You know, Jay Croce said as much as this is the best regular season win we've had in the four years I've been here. And he's not wrong. But at the same time, they're also like, yeah, like it's a really good team, like. There's a reason they've been in the group two. They were in the group two final last year and have all the accolades they've had. Like there's a good chance we see them again. So like we can't take our foot off the gas. So they have three regular season games left, Manalpin, Madawan, and Raritan. Not easy games by any stretch, but point where plays the way they did on Saturday, you know, they'll be just fine. They do that. You know, there's a very good chance they lock up the number one overall seed in South group two. And you don't know where any of the other teams are going to land. The, you know, the, the Rumsons, the Willingboroughs, Haddonfield, you know, Westwood is a very good team as well. Um, they wouldn't face till the, the final, but just in terms of the South section, those three teams, Rumson, Willingborough, Haddonfield, you don't know how it's going to shake out, but at least against Rumson or anybody else, they've likely ensured those games will be at Al Center. And that, which atmosphere, is right that now. atmosphere they have at home is a real mm-hmm. advantage. Their student yeah. section is super loud, one of the best in the mm-hmm. Shore Conference, the Panther Pit. So, like, getting that home field advantage is genuinely meaningful for them because it, it does give them that's a lot of extra juice. That's mm-hmm. a team that totally thrives off momentum and oh, like yeah. adrenaline, you know, like mm-hmm. they'll get a turnover. The play starts going nuts. The next play, they break like a 70 yard TD. Like they can just hit you with an avalanche when they're at home because they play like with, there's so much uh, of a great crowd there fired up um, that, uh, yeah, that was, that was a tremendous win for them. And you were also at the other, top 10 clash of the of the week that was in a rainy friday night out there doing yeoman's work at the swamp <laughs> it was the uh the literal swamp it really it, interesting it really wasn't that that bad weather wise you know i had the full rain gear on the, the rain gear on the cameras everything was good from that standpoint uh but only there was like a brief maybe 15 minute span where it was coming out pretty good and then it would just stop and miss so it all things considered, I thought it was going to be a lot worse, uh, but the weather was held up. The big story, though, was Middletown South senior quarterback Jake Zwakeel, not just playing. He's been back since 
in a week two, but this was really the return to form of like, okay, this is the all shore player, you know, that, that they know they had. And he showcased it all 96 yards, rushing a touchdown. He had an interception return for a touchdown, kicked three extra points and 26 yard field goal, you know, broke up a couple more passes in the secondary. Uh, and he led Middletown South to a big 30 to 14 win over Colts neck. It was a top 10 battle South five last week, uh, Colts neck number nine. And a, a huge, really a crossroads victory for Middletown South. And I and I was asking them after that after the game about that. And I thought maybe I was putting it a little too strongly. And they were like, no, like we approached this all week. Like this was a must-win game. And then when you look ahead and see that their last two regular season games they have coming up are against RBC and Donovan. And yeah, you see the urgency. So they came out and played like a desperate team uh and they got a big win. They they looked as whole as they have since those first, you know, like five minutes against Rumson in week zero. You know, they're running back Donovan Sumi still isn't 100%, but he looks pretty good uh, on about eight carries. Uh, so once they get him back in full strength, like they're going to, you know, that's what they hope. They, they get into the playoffs at full strength and they can roll. Yeah, that's the big thing. They had to have this points-wise to get, you know, in position to be in a playoff berth. If they mm-hmm. lost this game with the two games they had coming up, yeah. There was a danger they might not they might miss the playoffs entirely, which in Middletown Southland is like Armageddon. Doesn't seem real. Yeah, it's like you know this is a team like they print their team schedule and they put like the sectional final on there as like you know save the date. So <laughs> you know like I, I that obviously it also helps to have uh, Colin Gallagher fourteen tackles and he knocked a fumble away that got returned for a touchdown. Correct. Yep. Yes. So, yeah, he was. Just awesome again, and he and running the ball too. He had a handful of just powerful runs where he's either up the middle, just bowling over guys, you know, against a, a tough Colts net defense, or he can get to the outside too. He's got speed and power, he really can do it all for them. Like he's a super impressive player. We all know how good he was defensively, even going into last season. Um, and then he's just added the offensive piece. And again, like every week, you're like, oh, Colin Gallagher, like at least like 14 tackles and some kind of game changing play. Yeah, and we talked last week about, you know, how this was uh, when you go to do all short teams that you measure, Mm -hmm. how do these teams do? So I was also, you know, impressed with Chris Scully, even in the loss, ran for 141 yards and a touchdown for Coltsneck. He was good. You know, Coltsneck had a a tough go of it in the sense where it was 14-0 at halftime. Coltsneck gets the ball. They're driving to start the third quarter. They're all the way inside the 30-yard line, um, or inside the 20-yard line, excuse me, and then the 85-yard fumble return by Jesse Burbank, and all of a sudden it's 20 nothing. You know, Middletown South did not run an offensive play at all in the third quarter and extended their lead by by six points. So it's like, come on here. But Colts, they stuck to their game, the game plan on the ground. They went for it on a fourth down. It had to have been four to five times and converted all of them, I believe. And they just, you know, they just gave the ball to Scully as often as they could. And why not? You know, he's your best offensive player. See if he can break one. He ran for some tough yards, but just too much Middletown South at the but end of the we, That was another aspect that we talked about earlier, too, though, is that when Colts Neck does get behind, like in a hole like that, they're not mm-hmm. built to just, you know, come out and start throwing the ball like out of the shotgun yeah. or no huddle every play. So mm-hmm. it's it's so imperative for them to get the lead that to get that far behind, it's pretty tough um, to recover. Uh, yes. And, you know, those are two teams we expect to see in the playoffs, but a couple teams broke into the win column. Uh, he did. Especially he Howell. 
after all the heartbreakers, oh. Howell got to the finish line against Manalpin. Yeah, and then like if you're a Howell fan, you have to be sitting in the stands there going, not again, as Manalpin gets the ball back late in the game and, and trying to, you know, trying to go in for a walk-off touchdown. But Howell this time was able to close the deal, uh, a 30 to 27 victory over their rival uh Braves. Um, and again, a, a big one, you know, for Howell. They had lost their first four games, you know, by combined, I believe it was 13 points. So to get this one, uh, their junior D-back Ryan Cross picked off the pass, uh, you know, 45 seconds left in the game, and that was it. So uh, really a, an impressive win by Howell in the sense where they're 0-4. It's easy to be dejected. Um, and they're also without – they're starting running back Brandon Wright broke his leg to in their loss to Marlboro. Missed last week. They don't have him. Big game from Egan Nelms, their, their senior quarterback, the lefty slung it, 11 of 19, a buck 42, two touchdowns. You know, they have one of the, the top receivers in the shore in Kevin Maloney, uh, and he made big plays, two two touchdown catches, including a 19-yard uh, touchdown with seven seconds left in the first half. And how about Juan DeJesus stepping up, 86 yards rushing and two touchdowns. So a big one for Howell to get on the board. And on the flip side, Manalpin now lost three straight. They have Point Burrow coming up. And, you know, Manalpin had, they had the win over Wall. They had the heartbreaker to Jackson. Then they they soundly beat Long Branch. They're like, okay, like, here comes Manalpin. And then it just hasn't worked out for them over the last three weeks. I mean, their highlight was Anthony Macchio, a 103-yard interception turn for a touchdown. I mean, that I believe that's the longest play in the shore this season. It's um, got to be. If if I'm wrong, somebody please correct me so we can <laughs> get that in, in the stat book. But. Yeah, big win for Howell, first one of the season. Really tough loss for Manalp and the Braves. You know, we're 19th in the UPR in South Four going into the game. So that's not going to help their chances. Their backs are certainly against the wall right now. And just for everyone, you have to be in the top 16 yes. to get into the playoffs. Um, but yeah, at 19. And then again, Manalpin's another team, kind of a perennial playoff team. Um, so this would this would be really tough for them to be on the outside looking in. They they kind of how to, and you're right. Big credit to Howell because you start that kind of season, it can just get away from you. You can be mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, we're not going to, it's not going to be the year we wanted to. Guys start mailing it in. I think what helps, obviously, is it's a district rival. It's a big rivalry. Yeah. They all know each other. Um, and they, I just like that they stuck with it. You know, they've been so close in so many games to finally get in there and uh, get over the hump. And same now, we're talking Red Bank Regional. They got their first win, a shutout, no less. 19 nothing over Monmouth. Raise the flag for the Pirates. The uh the Bucks, yeah, 19 nothing over Monmouth Regional. Uh Alex Choback threw a touchdown pass to Liam Stack, ran for a TD. Uh theme of this week, by the way, and I was going through it, is like pick sixes. There's like a million of them. Quinn knees for RBR, 28-yard interception in turn for a touchdown. How about this? Red Bank's first shutout over a short conference team since 2018. Which was also a nineteen nothing victory over. I Mama. saw that. That was so weird because it's like that's such an odd score. It's not like yeah. it was like twenty one nothing or there's that is some scoregami. Like, yes, right the there. exact same score, but uh, good for the Bucks. I know they came into this season with a lot of expectations. It hasn't necessarily worked out for them, but uh, yeah, they do get on the board. That uh, you know, it always feels good to get that first one under your belt and kind of exhale a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they didn't beat a doormat either. You know, Mammoth was four and one going into the game, and it played really well. Honestly, I felt like this was the reality check week for the Liberty Division. Yeah. Mammoth started four and one. They lost to a winless Red Bank team that plays in a higher up division. 
Pinelands was mm-hmm. undefeated, you know, riding high and got routed by Matawan, which is yeah, more we'll back to, to yeah. life, you know. And so that, and you know, Pinelands is has a game this week for the, uh, you know, a sh- at no worse than a share of the division title. Um, but yeah, I felt like this was kind of these non-divisional games. You don't see that's why another thing like Point Borough was impressive, right? How many teams from the lower division rose up and beat the team from the higher division in these non-divisional games? Pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're right. Very true. Um, and then the last team uh from week five to get into the wing, excuse me, the wing column. It was Monday night football, game that just went final. Uh Barnegat uh takes out its frustrations. Uh, after opening the season with five losses, some of them some some tough ones, some close ones, uh, they hang a forty-seven nothing uh, win on Point Beach. Uh, Myquan Rush with a pair of TDs in the first half. Cole Tidings continues really just an awesome year with another touchdown catch. John L. Johnson had a rushing touchdown, and they poured it on in the second half. So again, Barney, good for Barney getting the win calm. It's been a tough year for Point Beach. We we're talking about before they came on. Like when the goals are good, they're competitive, but at such a small school. If they don't have it, it it, it kind of ends up being a tough year for them. It's just kind of the reality of small school football, uh, and that's where the Garner calls are right now. Yeah, that's kind of one of those programs. You know, a lot of these Group One programs, you end up building up one class, you know, like or two class. Like you take your lumps with like a lot of sophomores, and then a couple. You know, by that mm-hmm. next year, you get a little better, and then when they're all seniors, then it's time to make a run at a division title it's tough to maintain it from year to year. Like you said, when yeah. you have a school that only has what, like three or 400 kids in the whole yeah. school. And yeah. they graduated, you know, Joe Bealy was an all shore linebacker for them last year. You know, they, they, they lost some significant players. So you can't, you're not just gonna be able to plug and play at a school of that size. So uh, it's been tough sledding for the beach, but you know, they always battle back. They'll find, they'll find a way at some point. Right. Now at um, the other end of the spectrum, we had our two non-public powers, Going mm-hmm. on the road, um, and this is this raised some interesting discussion, I think. But we'll start with Donovan Catholic fell fifty-two to twenty-eight to St. Joe's Montvale, which is the number two team in the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a showdown of top ten teams in New Jersey, and I think it caught people's immediate attention who were following it on Twitter or whatever to see that Donovan jumped out to a fourteen nothing lead on them. Yeah. Um, right out of like it instantly, it felt like with a turnover and a score and, you know, but then man, St. Joe's, they just roared back from the deficit. And uh, yeah, I mean, and especially against a good Donovan Catholic defense that has been mm-hmm. a shutdown defense down here, but they could not keep up with the weapons that St. Joe's has. No, they quickly restored, you know, order for themselves up 24, 14 at halftime, and then just continue to, to pour it on and add more scores. And that's, that's the difference. I mean, Donovan is a very good team. They're a top 10 team in New Jersey. You know, we we talked about them a lot over the past few weeks. You just see the difference. You know, those teams in that North Jersey football super conference, you know, in that top division, those non-public schools, Bergen Catholic, St. Joe's, Don Bosco Prep, you know, uh, DePaul, you know those, those St. Peter's, it, it's just, you're talking about one of the best high school football divisions in the nation. And it's just a different level. The amount of, you know, FBS prospects that they turn out yearly, you know, and the amount of weapons that like they have offensively where you feel like, okay, we shut down this guy. He's really good. Well, they got three other guys running around making plays. Although obviously, especially even for a sophomore, really impressed. Najee Calhoun 
with 128 yards. They put four TDs on them. How many times has anyone put up four TDs on St. Joe's recently? You know, yeah, an impressive performance, certainly by him. And, you know, last season, that score, I believe, was 42-14, something right. around that nature. They, they lost to St. Joe's at a game at MetLife. So, I mean, it's still a lopsided loss. They they scored 28 points. I mean, I'm sure there's some positives they'll try to take from that, you know, within the program. Again, you're just up against another level. Like, that's the level that Donovan and even Red Bank Catholic to a different degree. We'll get to the next. They're not in that same group, so they, they're not, you know, actually chasing those teams. But – Again, if you're a non-public school in New Jersey, like that's the level you hope to one day be at. And I feel like it's just difficult because you look in a given season, right? In the shore, con- the entire shore conference, we'll have maybe five FBS guys, maybe seven or eight in a really good yeah. year. Some, most of those teams have that many yes. on their roster. Yeah. So, in other words, if you took every FBS player from Monmouth and Ocean County and put them on one team they still might not be able to rival what some of these other mm-hmm. teams have up there. So yeah, it, it's just a different level of hard to match that, you know, yeah. and which is, which makes it impressive that an RBC has gone and won titles against mm-hmm. these teams. You know, they went through St. Joe Montvale the year they won, broke their state title drought yes. years ago. So it's like, you know, it's impressive whenever you can do it, but it's hard to rival it um, on a yearly basis. And speaking of RBC, um, I think they got what they really wanted out of this Seton Hall prep game. First of all, they got a victory, 21-16 yeah. to 16 comeback. But it was like they, they were on the road, and it was a s- strong test. They trailed mm-hmm. for, at like for multiple stretches of this game before pulling it out um, in the end with Frankie Williams with the go-ahead touchdown with four minutes left, and then they you know come up with a stop. And like we said, that Seton Hall prep team was a deceiving record. They were one and three, mm-hmm. but you knew they were good. Um, but you don't really want to take a loss to them, though. I mean, that's the thing. Like, yeah, yes, they were tough, but, y- you know, they're not even ranked in the state. You're in the top 10. You need to get in that top win. five, RBC. Top five, yeah. yeah. So they found a way. And uh, Emmanuel Ross, we talked about him uh, as a defensive player, as a receiver, but we forgot about him on special teams. He got mad and he's like, check this out. <laughs> yeah, 96 yard kick return for a touchdown. And that was huge because Seton Hall Prep had just kicked a field goal to go up 16-7. Um, and it was second half, and then Ross takes him to and kick off back, and boom, 16-14. And RBC is all fired up. And the defense, you know, held Seton Hall prep at 16 points long enough for, you know, RBC's offense to find a way to, you know, have the go-ahead score. And Ross, again, you know, he had the kick return touchdown. He had six receptions for 107 yards, intercepted a pass on defense, and had six tackles. So he – he continues to do it all for them. Like that's their dude, you know, on offense. Um, and then Davin Bruton on defense, but now you have Ross also balling out on defense. So uh, the Casey's they're, they're playing really good football right now. And, you know, that was a big win just on the road, find a way to get it done. And they did exactly that. Now, does it raise a debate? Donovan Catholic is our number one team. They got beat pretty bad, but they got beat pretty bad by the number two team in the state. That would be, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of teams that badly RBC, gets that win is, you know, they have their one losses to the number one team in the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and 24, six. So a closer. Yes. Margin. Yes. Uh, and for sake of uh comparison, DePaul who RBC has played in the state finals the last two years mm-hmm. and appears to be on a collision course. Again, 
they played Bergen Catholic this past weekend, and I believe they lost 31-13. So that's yeah. kind of a wash. That's somewhat Comparable. similar to the RBC result against Bergen Catholic. But, yeah. I mean, I guess you could start making arguments, but, like, I don't want to penalize Donovan for taking that game, you know, for yeah. wanting to play that game. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't feel like they should be dinged for going up there and taking on that challenge. No, I, I agree with you. And it it's easy because they'll settle it on the field. Right. RBC and Donovan are going to play, yeah. you know, in a few weeks. So now if they didn't, and this was, a re, you know, we're at the end of the season and we're trying to separate them. Well, then this result might come yeah, in. Yeah, you're right. You're, you don't have a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, there's no common opponents so or there's not much to compare. So that, that would be one thing. And that might be, you know, a stat that could, you know, have RBC overtake them, but thankfully they will play each other. So we we uh, likely will not have to worry about that. But it, you know, if we do, the the dad is there. But I'm with you. Like it, the the margin of victory or the margin of defeat, however you want to put it, it's all matchups. Like who knows? Like if Donovan played Bergen or RBC played St. Joe's, like what the score was. Like they both lost. So basically, what we need to have happen is we need to either have like. We're either going to expel like 20 Donovan students so they can go down to non-public B, or we're going to pay the tuition for like 20 more kids to go to RBC so they can go to non-public A, and we can finally have them all in the same state bracket and like not have this whole regular season thing every year where it's like, ah, but who they're going to play. But again, it doesn't matter because you're right. Mm -hmm. They will line up and they will play against each other and it'll get settled that way, which is the way we like it. And Mm -hmm. speaking of the American division, the other American division power, uh, another game without Micah Ford for Tom's river North, not a problem. 42 to six over Southern. Yeah. And the Mariners, these next, you know, the Southern game include in the next two weeks and they get a, a reprieve, uh, not completely from the American division. I do have wall in there, but just from the brutality of, of the early part of their schedule, which included, you know, Rumson and Donovan and Millville. So, uh, you know, without Micah Ford, no problem. TJ Valerio, you know, an impressive day ran for 114 yards through touchdown three cancel uh, Jeremiah Pruitt, 77 yards rushing and touchdown through a TD pass through tight end, Eddie Slosky, Nasir Jackson, and returned to kickoff 98 yards for a touchdown. Mordecai Ford, still another Ford in the backfield. He ripped off a 64-yard touchdown run, and you know, North just takes care of business. So 2-0 now without Ford. And, you know, again, we talked to their head coach, Dave Oswitz, on last week's uh, Varsity and Coaches Corner. He said, look, we, we, we think we're going to get him back. We're operating under the pretense that we're not going to. But, you know, reading between the lines, it sounds like he will be back. It's just a matter of when. So if they take care of business – They'll get a high seed in the playoffs. And if he's healthy, you know, come that first postseason game, like that's all that matters for Tom's River North. The, the game against Red Bank Catholic, people will circle. But if Tom's River North is like, look, our guy isn't ready. We're not going to risk it out there. As soon as Tom's River North, they say that, then, you know, that wouldn't surprise me. It's yeah, all about to win another title for them. And that's a bare knuckle game. You know, there's going to mm-hmm. be some serious hitting in that game. It's going to be very physical. So, yeah. like, if you have any doubt of man, this, you know, his leg injury or this and that, if he gets hit in some spot, like you don't want to put him in that. Cause they, like they, like coach Oswald talked about the ultimate goal is them. He's like, we're not trying to get style points. We don't care about how many points we win. We just grind mm-hmm. out wins. And then hopefully we're in the group five final and look up. And if we achieve that, that's all we're looking for at this point. Yes. 
we'll continue on down with the rest of the the Shore 16 squads. If I have to take uh, a line uh, and just like copy it into like notes and just repaste it every week that says Jackson Memorial sophomore running back Jonah Glenn ran for career high and then just fill in the numbers afterwards because yep. he did again. 275 yards rushing and four TDs on 23 carries in the Jaguars 33-13 win over Brick, like an old A South rivalry. And against the, the defense Jags. that had not yes. that had been playing great the whole mm-hmm. season and hadn't and given he, up more than like 13 on their own. Like in the Matawan game, one of them was a pick six. So like exactly. And then he demolished it. And the guy's like a human first down. He's averaging nine <laughs> yards a carry for the season. It's, yeah. We need it for it's third and nine. We'll just give it to Jonah. Like he gets it every time. Yeah, really impressive. 998 yards rushing, nine TDs on 9.1 per I count. mean, I was looking it up. What what did Gallic run for his senior year? He was like over 2,100. I think it was like 2,120 or something. Like We're that's not – What was his – what was Gallic's senior year? I got it. That's gotta not look. out of the realm of possibility right now for Jonah Glenn as a sophomore. It's not. You know, like the beauty when you're putting up 200 plus now I can look it week, up. Nobody's even come close to holding him under a hundred yards. Um, no, no, and he's got no, nine ninety eight already. I think his low, his season low, is like one hundred and twenty nine yards or right. something like that. Let's see, Mike Egolic, his yeah, he, Mike Golick, his senior year, two thousand sixteen season, led the shore two thousand one hundred twenty nine yards. Pretty close, pretty good guess by you. Twenty four TDs average. Uh, 7.9 yards per carry. So yeah, he uh he was pretty good. Finished as their all-time single season and career uh rushing record. So that's the single season program record. So and then he's now on their staff. So like if Glenn's yes. really running to break it, he might stick his foot out and just like trip him <laughs> on a, those last like 10 yards. Like if they're up big in a game, like no, no, Jonah's good. Like he's yeah, gonna we, sit we gotta take him out. Time. We gotta take him out, keep him fresh. <laughs> That'll be some interesting conversations. Like, we're going to break it. Like, let him do it later in his career. Like, not so early. But, yeah, exactly. Let me have know. this record for at least, like, 10 years or something. <laughs> but Jackson 5-0, and um, and they got a huge divisional matchup um, on Saturday against Marlboro. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more in depth later. Um, so Jackson goes to 5-0, and and guess what? Marlboro remains undefeated, too. The number eight Mustangs, a 28-14 victory over number 15 Freehold Township. Similar to Jonah Glenn. What did we talk about last week? Hey, the running game's heating up. Matt Cassidy's starting to feel it on the ground. Yep, he goes for 208 and two touchdowns on 28 carries in the Mustangs win. And on the other side of the ball, where he was a first-team all-short selection last year at linebacker, a pick six, a sack, a forced fumble. He, he was he was pretty awesome. So Matt Cassidy doing, uh, doing Matt Cassidy things. But the only down note from that was Braden Klein, the senior starter and quarterback for the Mustangs uh, got hurt. Yeah. And sophomore Zach Caporal came in, ran for 50 yards and such. I, I will say their quarterbacks are ready when they have to come off the bench, yeah. but they kind of got that like San Francisco 49ers, like snake bit thing going on where they can't keep a quarterback like upright for more than a couple games. Yeah. It's uh, you know, you, you hope that he's not, um, you know, out for long. We got to touch base with Jason Legato, see what uh, the status is. And there's no injury reports in high school football. No injury designations on Thursday. We don't get those. Uh, but so, you know, the hopeful case, certainly that he's ready, you know, for Saturday. That's a huge game. But, you know, Marlboro, again, uh, defensively, 
know, Luke Houston, third interception season as well. That's they've only get that's the most points they've given up all year in a game so far. 14 points. And that's just why I think it's gonna be such defense. an epic test when like you have you know, what is it, the immovable f- object, the unstoppable force yeah. against the immovable object? Like you have Glenn who has been stopped by no one. He's mm-hmm. torn up every team he's played and it uh, going against a defense that has not given an inch to most teams mm-hmm. all year. So yeah, that's looking forward to that matchup. Um, that yeah, that's one where you wonder like again, it's do the defenses like cancel out each running game and then it's who else is gonna make a play. So for me, that's you know, where Jackson with Albert Alessandro who's extremely underrated, very versatile. Jaden Hernandez, like they have some some extra guys uh that can make some big plays too. That'll that'll be a fun one on Saturday. I'll be there for that. A massive game in the division. Uh, one of the biggest that Marlboro's had in a while um, in terms of a chance to to win a division title and such. So that'll be a fun one. Um, yeah, I mean, the winner of that game clinches no worse than a tie for the division championship. Yeah. I mean, for Jackson, it would be back-to-back, and they're no stranger to division titles. For Marlboro, first division title since 1994, if they pull yeah. it off. So. Which would be, obviously, uh, pretty epic for that program. Going down the list, uh, number 10, Brick Memorial. I have to wait till Sunday. But uh, they didn't leave any meat on the bone. 41 nothing uh, over Manusquan. Not too many teams go into Vic Kaboo Warrior Field. Certainly public schools and hand Manusquan that type of defeat. Interestingly enough, if you would just rattle off this stat before the game, you know, before telling the final score and say Brick Morrill's Connor Dietz, he had a string of 17 straight games, 100 yards rushing, snapped. You'd be like, oh man, what ha- did Memorial lose? No, right. they won by six touchdowns. He completed all 11 of his passing attempts for 174 yards, two touchdowns. He also ran for two touchdowns, only 42 yards on nine carries. You know, they, they put this one away early. Uh, it was, I think, 21 nothing for the first quarter, 20 nothing at halftime. Kevin Andrews, Jason Whitaker rushing touchdowns, Trey Talmadge receiving touchdown. Brickmall, first time they're six and uh since 2005. They also did in 2004. Those great years under our good friend Freddie Sprengel. I don't think they've ever been seven up. Not in my brick moral football knowledge, like they've never been seven up. I'll dive deep just to make sure in the early 80s, you know, they had some seven win seasons, but I don't think they were seven now. So that's, you know, Brickmore putting together a really, really good season and Connor Dietz just getting it done every single week. Like he, any questions that were about him, you know, early in the season, we know his production has been great, but it was about, you know, the team success, you know, they've he's answered that, and the whole team has answered that. Yeah, and and it's just so consistent. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've mentioned this before that you just keep rattling off these crazy stats every week, and it's like you barely bat an eyelash. Like, oh yeah, of course, like he had four touchdowns. Of course, like he had all this, you know, yardage stacked up. So yeah, but again, very encouraging that Brickmore's defense comes out and gets a shutout. Um, yeah, because that's going to be the unit. Uh, it's it's hard in the state playoffs to ask Dietz and the offense to just you know put up forty on everybody. That yeah. it's not going to be. It, it's not always that easy, especially you know playing in Group Four, playing against some of those South Jersey Group Four teams. If that's the way it shakes out, you know the mainlands of the world. Yeah. Like it's not easy to just you know go obliterate them and kind of casually give up 21 points or something like, so mm-hmm. they're just looking really complete right now. And they just, they seem like they're on a mission to try to land that high seed, maybe even a one seed, depending on how it goes. 
Um, I, you know, I think what are they fourth in the South in South Jersey four? In the, I uh, believe so. Fourth UPR four. rating, yeah. So right before, uh, yeah, fourth right now, right behind Mainland, uh, Millville, the defending Group Four champion, then a really good uh, Winslow Township team, and then Jackson, uh, right behind Brickmoral at five. Yeah. So. And that's the thing. Look at those opponents. If those are the guys you're going to have to go through, you're mm-hmm. going to need your defense to step up too. Yes. Um, so that's really, really encouraging for them. And speaking of defense, uh, I I would hazard to guess, Homedale's had seasons where they've had three or more shutouts in the season, but yes. three or more in a row. I would hazard to guess that that's never happened in Homedale history. We I can't totally confirm it, but, you know, they're coming off now a 31 nothing win over Freelboro for their third straight shutout. Yeah, I mean, home the last points home that allowed were in week two in an oh, had 14 points in an overtime win over St. John Vianney. They beat Tom's River South 42 6 week one, had the overtime win over Vianney, and then they've now shut out Asbury Park, Manasquan, and Freehold in consecutive weeks. About 20 points all season. Like, like I know are, these are not top opponents that they're, you know, but still, they're to keep them completely off the scoreboard. Yeah. And again, we keep saying it, but Homedale was a one-win team last year. And now they're just coming out and, like, steamrolling people. I mean, John Principi, their defensive coordinator, I mean, they really got it going on that side of the ball. I mean, like I said, I, I, would, I would hazard to guess that Homedale has never had three straight shutouts in the history of their program. Or if they did, it was a long time ago. Yeah, just a quick glance at, you know, the last big season they had, 2007, when they went 10-1. and one. They had four total shutouts, but never – they had two in a row later in the season over RBR and then Governor Livingston in the playoffs, but never three in a row. So they are, I mean, they are flying high, uh, playing really good football, um, you know, and they're going to look to, uh, you know, they have an ocean this week, you know, which is coming off a win. We'll, we'll talk about the Spartans in a second, um, but Holmdale favorite favorite in that game. And then if, you know, Holmdale and Shore take care of business next week, that's going to set up a game for the, constitution division title you know uh you know coming up in a couple weeks so exciting times for the hornets and they're just getting it done with a variety of different players which the defense has been awesome just in general the most encouraging thing i think has been that it's been multiple guys you know jack cannon has a great had a great sophomore season multiple running backs getting it done matt iolo anthony said a ducati this week and defensively connor fields had a pick six uh but it's just been a bunch of different players contributing. Right. It's, it's been a, a true, true team, team effort defensive, every week. Yeah, true team yeah. defensive effort. It's not like it's one guy that has like 70 tackles or something mm-hmm. like that. They're yeah. just really sound, and they they all play well together, and it's added up to just an incredible turnaround season for them. Yeah, it's – and we talked about that when we had their head coach, Jeff Reynas, on, you know, that they, they really felt that – last year was an aberration like hey we are not that team like we're we're way better than that and listen they have backed it up you know they're and they're also number two in the group south group three united power ranking so you're talking ahead of right behind timber creek ahead of teams like camden Eastside, you know formerly woodrow wilson delcy you know cedar creek so they keep winning not only are they going to have you know a division title under their belts they're gonna have a really high seed in the playoffs uh, and defense travels, you know, they'll face some more challenges, but you're playing really good defense. Any of an offense that is a pain in the neck to prepare for with that split back veer. So I, 
they can be dangerous. You know, Homebell is a fun team for me to watch going forward. Like what, how, how far can they go? What can they accomplish this season? Yeah. It's going to be interesting because right now they're the favorite in this division, you know, like mm-hmm. they're kind of they're They got the bullseye on theirs back, but when they go into the playoffs, even if they're a high seed, if there's a Del C like, like you mentioned, or a Timber Creek, or whatever, that team is going to be the heavy favorite, not for Homebell. sure. So, you know, they're going to almost be able to flip, over to where now you're the underdog, even though you've had a good season and you might even be the home team mm-hmm. because of the uh, seedings, but you're going to be the underdog. So, you know, they'll go to, to playing with n- nothing to lose and yeah, they've never won a state championship. So we'll see if, you know, they can make a run against a, a pretty tough field, but it's just remarkable what they've done already coming off of a one in eight season. Yeah. Um, they've really roared back into the picture. Uh, and then in another game, of teams that are kind of like this, this I felt like was one of those swing games that that can swing your season. You know what I mean? Like if you win, it propels you. Oh, we're a playoff. We're going to be a playoff team. Or if you lose, you're, ah, that this might is or put us in a real bad spot. And that was Long Branch holding off St. John Vianney, twenty to fourteen. Devon Kraft once again a big mid-season addition for the Green Wave. Two rushing touchdowns and then ten tackles, ten tackles and a sack on defense uh you know long branch i felt like had to have that game they Mm -hmm. they had been kind of up and down and like this is you know they entered i think 10th in the um in the upr rankings in south four so that really helps them especially because you get that non-public uh multiplier for playing Mm -hmm. yanni yes Um, so I, I again, we've talked that that Long Branch could be like a sleeper team. I feel like they're kind of sitting in the weeds. And once Ernest Reeve is like fully going at quarterback again after the broken hand and all that, and then you have Kraft, and then you have Zaheem Brown, like that's that's a team that could be a real problem for somebody in the postseason. I agree. You know, they and Reeve ball that in eighteen tackles on defense. Other player that's been really good for them all season is jo- Joseph Corley. Uh, the son of their athletic director, Jason Corley. Um, he had a, he had an interception. And uh, you're right. Like in St. John Vianney, similar to how we talked about, like it, it was a winless team, but a playing really tough. Vianney does have a win uh, that they got um, last week, but they've been in pretty much every game um, with a really young team. So they're, they're going to battle teams. So that, that's a solid win for St. John Vianney, you know, regardless, or excuse me, for Long Branch regardless of what the record is next. Plus it was a weird situation where because the rain was so out of control, Long Branch was like flooded, like the town. So they had to, it was their home game, but it was played on St. John Vianney's field. (laughs) Doesn't feel like much of a home game, but look, I get it. Like what other choice do you have? You got to play the game. It was bad down there. Long Branch down into Asbury park. I mean, it was, the flooding was significant. So I think, uh, look, you just try to get the game in when you can and, the the home road game for LB and they get the win. Look, nothing will compare to when they were road warriors for what was like two straight years. I guess when they were when the re- new stadium was in the field. Yeah. Being built. Yeah. They're just long branches on the road every week. So I still run uh, into some of those guys years later. I mean, that's like 15 years ago now. And they're like, remember yeah. us? Like the road warriors, like they wear <laughs> that even now, like a badge of honor. Those guys are like in their thirties. Yeah. <laughs> you love it. Uh, going down, uh, Raritan jumped into the rankings last week at number 14, but Ocean quickly spoiled that party. The Spartans with a 14-7 upset over the Rockets. Uh, this game, interesting because of some of the adjustments that Ocean made 
you know, in one week, essentially, and came out and re- talking about throwing, we're talking about Point Borough with some of the wrinkles, the onside kick and the model huddle. I don't think anything compares to what, what Ocean did. Yeah, I mean, I'll get into this more in my column on Wednesday on shoresportsnetwork.com, the Shore football report for this week. But talking to Ocean coach Donnie Klein, they were running multiple spread, like, you know, to start the season and everything. They had been shut out in back-to-back games, and they were kind of just struggling to score. So in a matter of days, whatever it is, five days, they switched to the wing T, like, a running offense with, you know, a lot of misdirection, backfield mm-hmm. motion. I mean, he said some of it was, you know, basically similar plays with different window dressing as far as yeah. guys in motion and, and shifting and stuff. But yes, normally I've seen teams do this before during the season, but usually they do it during a bye week because mm-hmm. they have like two weeks. He just, they just did it on the fly. And not only that, the player who scored both of their touchdowns in this game is a freshman, Alex Staten running back he had been playing some wide receiver to start the season they put him back there at running back six carries for 45 yards his first varsity touchdowns um you know they just and they they had balance you know they had like three or four other guys run for over 30 yards in that wing t distributing the ball to all these different people and yeah their first drive they went down and scored because i think raritan was kind of like on their heels of like, well, this is, oh, yeah. different like, we didn't prepare for this. This yeah, wasn't like, on film. Like exactly a completely new offense. Like that's, that is, you're right. That's unheard of for it to happen in a one week turnaround. I like, during said, a buy, I mean, one thing that helped is they have a pretty experienced offensive line. Yes. So like when they did install this and change some things, they have really, you know, smart veteran linemen who could kind of adjust to some different blocking schemes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously still the game was mainly won by their defense. I mean, they, they got a stop on Raritan inside their five yard line in like the fourth quarter. And that could have been the, di- you know, it could have been tied going into overtime if, the, if Raritan mm-hmm. scores there and, and uh, you know, ocean really, you know, if they were going to have any prayer at the state playoffs and just like kind of, this felt like the game where if, if we have to turn our season around. And I think another big thing for them was, you know, this is a team that had not really lost any regular season games in a long time. Like last mm-hmm. year, their only loss was in the state playoffs against a, not a team from outside the shore conference. And then they start off this year with two wins. So when they get shut out a couple of times and like get some losses, I think it was kind of like psychologically a little shocking. Um, so yeah. this was big just to kind of right the ship and get back on firm ground for the Spartans. Yeah, an impressive one. And we'll see uh, now everyone else on their schedule now is like, oh, what? Like, hold on. Like, going through the film, like, what offense are they going to run? Yeah. Like, what's Next going week on? is just like, it's like a four verts, you know, like just throwing the ball like 50 they're times. Running the triple option next week. They're just going to go through all the offenses. Air, air, raid, air raid. Run and shoot. Like, let's just yes. put them all in there. Like, creating a Madden franchise. Whatever uh, works, right? Yeah, why not, right? Ah, the beauty and, and unfortunately, were- though, for their sake, uh, they did install this new offense, but they now have to play a home Dell team that has shut yeah. out three teams in a row. So we'll and see how knows how to defend like an option based offense. They run it themselves. Yeah. So yeah. that's true. Not the best matchup in terms of that sense. But, you know, for the Spartans to get that wing win, snap a, uh, you know, a little two game losing streak. Yeah, that's big for them. Like you said, now we'll see if they can kind of turn around and try to push towards the postseason. And then the uh, the last one, a game we, we mentioned earlier, um, Pylands got into the rankings last week at number 16, and 
Madawan quickly hit the uh, the button on the ejection seat. Uh, here come the Huskies, too. 47-12, uh, first loss of the season for the Pinecats. This one was not – it was 22-6 at the end of the first quarter. And Madawan really, you know, they got the win over Brick last week to get off the schneid. This was the Madawan team that we thought we were going to see, you know, in the pre in the offseason, the preseason with all the weapons they have. And, you know, they, they showcased it all. Uh, Amir Martinez, their junior quarterback, 157 rushing yards, two touchdowns. Colin Palumbo, uh, their outstanding two-way player, running back, linebacker, two rushing touchdowns, a pick six. They blocked two punts. Alexander List returned one for a touchdown. Jalen Williams returned the other for a touchdown. Uh, Jaden Elijah, their outstanding junior two-way lineman, like defensively was unblockable. I believe he blocked one of the punts. Like they just, they're taking out all the frustration for those first couple weeks. And I don't think that's a team that too many, uh, too many opponents are going to be excited to see over these last three weeks. Yeah. And I think they just had that desperation, right? They entered this week 22nd in the rankings. They're trying to crack into that top 16. Now mm-hmm. you beat a, a Pinelands team that was undefeated. Um, so you're going to get a good, good stack of points off of that. Um, and now you have, you know, you have Barnegat coming up. Madawan's clearly a favorite in that game. Um, and that Point Borough game kind of is a little more interesting now that Madawan has mm-hmm. really come to life here and all their playmakers are getting it done every week. And yeah. the defense is stepping up. Like that game to me a couple weeks ago, I'd be like, oh, you know, Point Borough will be heavily favored, like probably not one mm-hmm. you really want to circle. Now you're like, that's no easy game at all. And not only that, yeah. for Madawan, that could rocket you up the seedings if yeah. you take down Point Borough. I mean, mm-hmm. you'd send a shockwave across the whole shore and in the state almost, you know, to go out and get a win like that. Yes. But, you know, this, this, yes, like you said, this is the Madawan team that we expected. Again, they had a really hard schedule to start the season. Um, but I do think they, there were some games they thought they could win early on and they didn't get any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but now two in a row, building some steam. They'll be a favorite in this one. So they might go into that Point Borough game potentially on a three in a row. After mm-hmm. that rough start, um, so yeah, they're definitely uh, a team to watch right now. I think they're uh, they're kind of like the wild card heading. If they get into the postseason, like you do not want them showing up at your field because like you could be they're scary. They can score from anywhere on the field. Their defense is solid, so yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how they make some other teams' lives uncomfortable mm-hmm. here in the last month. Yeah, absolutely, they have that capability for sure. Uh, a, another team that is uh, that other you know that opponents do not want to see in the postseason is Keyport. Uh, we you know we featured Keyport heavily last week after the win over Manchester. We had their head coach Jason Glesman on the Varsity Coaches Corner with, with us. Uh, and Keyport, you know, we talked about favored. Uh, you know, in their remaining four games, and the first one on that list was pretty much like we thought it would go: thirty-nine-six over Gateway. Nas Treadwell just continues to put up just bonkers numbers. 218 yards rushing, three touchdowns on 11 11 carries. carries, yeah. Eight for 12 passing, 67 yards in a TD. Makai Henderson, 127 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Andre Matthews, six catches, 57 yards in a touchdown. Keyport ran for 390 yards on an average of 13, 13, yes, 13 yards per carry. I mean, that is just – and I saw the one highlight – of Treadwell's touchdown run. We literally was playing against a Pop Warner team. He was like juking kids, like shrugging them out of the way. And it just looked completely unfair. Yeah. And now, I mean, 
Keyport is favored in the rest of their games. They have winless Point Beach. Keensburg, which is playing better and has a couple wins now and is their, like, bitter rival. So Yeah, yeah like that'll just... be a physical knockdown drag right. game. And but... New Egypt. Um, so, like, there's a very good chance Keyport's 8-1 and one rolling into the playoffs and, you know, could be up there for a really high seed in yeah. their bracket. Uh, I think the real question now is we know what they can do against most of these local teams of their similar size and all that, you know, what will happen in the playoffs? A, if they run into shore regional, their old mm-hmm. nemesis, who's also playing great. I think that's a game. Is, and is playing a little bit of a harder schedule, like, you know, Definitely. up in that higher division. Um, and, you know, if they do get in there with a Woodbury or like one of these other like powerhouse group one teams from South Jersey, how will they measure up against those teams? But Either way, there's a ton to be uh, to be positive about if you're a Red Raiders fan. And, yeah, speaking of that other team I just mentioned, Shore Regional went out 35-14 over Manchester after being down 14-0. Mm-hmm. Yeah, an, an impressive win for the Blue Devils. They've now won four in a row. We're down 14-0 after the first quarter. And we know Manchester can score, and the Hawks did it early. And Shore, you know, again – a, a they have a veteran team this year, of course, a veteran coaching staff led by Mark Costantino, and they tied it up 14-14 at the half, and then they scored 21 unanswered points in the second half and, you know, one by three touchdowns. Alex George, 135 yards rushing a touchdown. Their junior quarterback, Josh Muller, threw for a touchdown, ran for another. Um, C.J. Sears had the touchdown catch, and, you know, short taking care of business. You know, they were, they were so bitter about that loss to Manasquan in week zero when I – Saw those guys when they played Ocean. Like, it was still bothering them. And I feel like I get the sense that it's still – but they feel like they should be undefeated, and they're kind of taking out that frustration on all Well, I, I think the other thing that's encouraging for them is they're getting better every week. Oh, I mean, yeah. this Manchester team had pretty much been lighting up everyone they played. Even mm-hmm. in their loss, they scored 33 points against Keyport, and Josh Love had been just destroying teams for, like, four touchdowns a game. So to shut them out for the last three quarters – that's a really nice job by that shore regional mm-hmm. defense. Yeah, it's a good defense, you know, led by their standout defensive end, Jackson Whitaker. But again, like the guys you see on offense, the running backs, like those are their linebackers. It's t- yeah. traditional shore look. Like they, it's not a huge team roster wise, certainly as a group one team, but they have their core guys. And those guys are usually pretty good playing both ways. And they're getting it done. And like we said with Homedale, you know, they're trying to take care of business. And shore is trying to do the same thing and set up a clash, which, you know, for sure, we're trying to be get, you know, a, uh, I think Holmdale can go into that game no worse than a tie for the division title. Uh, but, you know, sure, look, it, you can win that game in two weeks and get a piece of it. Kind of that's what they're eyeing. And also playoffs, you know, sure is a proven team in the postseason. You know, they have, I think it's seven sectional titles all time, six or seven. So, you know, they get in, they feel like they're going to, they can compete with anyone. And they're an interesting team to follow the rest of the way because they, they don't – Whitaker's their star. Uh, they don't have, like – it's not the team, with you know, with Doug Goldsmith and, you know, these stud running back, you know, the, the team that have Jack Britton too, where they're just going to gash you at one or two guys. It's really a by committee, but, hey, the wing tee is designed to take advantage of that. So they do. They have multiple guys. You know, they have Alex George, Brendan O'Brien, Lucas White running the ball, Josh Muller's capable. So the, the weapons are there for what they want to do. And, you know, I, I think in these last couple of weeks we're going to see – you know, just how good they are and what kind of team they're going to go into the postseason with. Yeah, and they're, they're definitely going to be tested 
you know, especially going mm-hmm. into that group one bracket, given that schedule, getting moved up into that division where every week they play a bigger school than them. Yeah. You know, so yeah. physical physicality wise, like they've faced bigger, stronger teams or teams that are equivalent to them. So they, you know, they won't probably face teams like that every week once mm-hmm. they get into the postseason. Um, speaking of another team trying to work to get in the postseason and get its share or all of a division and has won four games in a row also yes also won for tom's river south 35 jackson liberty 13 the indians renaissance uh continues and now they this is a really big one for them um they have Pinelands on friday night the winner of that game clinches no worse than a tie for the liberty division championship yeah a mega division matchup on friday at detweiler stadium uh you know going back to this week Four in a row. It's their first four-game winning streak for Tom's River South since 2013 when Tymere Barry, the stud quarterback who had a, a great career at Monmouth University, you know, that team was was really good. You know, talented, finished eight and three, lost to Shawnee uh in the South Jersey Group Four semifinal. So it, that, that was an excellent team. That was the last one to win four in a row. So, you know, after that 42-6 loss to Homebelt, it's like, man, is it gonna be another tough year for South? Well, no, it turns out home is really good, and, and South is playing pretty good football, too. Uh, their senior quarterback, James Alexander, threw two, D, two, D, uh, threw two TD passes. That's a tongue twister. To Cooper Greitz, ran for another touchdown. Uh, Jay Kenahan, their junior running back, two TD runs. So they did their job in the non-divisional game, and now they set it up for you know the mega-division matchup. Tom's River South has some of the best fans in the shore. Like, no matter what, even if they're struggling, like, they still come out in the sport and support. When they're good, like, Detweiler Stadium is a fun place on a Friday night. And uh, I think that's going to be a really nice atmosphere. And same thing Pinelands. That's a huge game for them. Like, I could see some of the the the, the Wildcat faithful traveling up there for that game. You know, if you're Pinelands, you can brush off last week. Say, hey, bad loss, but, you know, everything we want to accomplish still right in front of us. Um, see, it'd be interesting to see how they respond. Uh, and if Tom's River South can keep it going, that, that's a fun one. Yeah. And I mean, just what's at stake. Pinelands has not won a division title since 1987. Yeah. And they've only, that's their only one in the history of their program. South has not won one in 20, I think 21 years, 2002. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, you're right. I, I would imagine that's going to be a tremendous atmosphere because a long drought is going to end for somebody uh, on that night. And I think for Tom's River South, it's like, we know over the years this has been one of the traditional good teams of the shore, and they're trying mm-hmm. to get back to that. I mean, I think I'm sure in their mind they want to be playing two divisions higher than the one they're mm-hmm. in right now. But this is the process. You got to kind of like, yeah. you know, get that foundation built under Matt Martin, their coach, who's a former star for that program when they mm-hmm. were, you know, a top 10 team in the shore and a team that played, you know, big schools every week, you know, the, the other Tom's Rivers and the Southerns and the Laceys and all of yeah. them. And I think they want to get back to that point. So it starts with getting your feet on the solid ground here, winning this division, and then hopefully progressing from there, you know, getting bumped up and, you know, get trying to get back to what you were at your, you know, height. So mm-hmm. this is a this is a crucial, crucial one um, for them. And then just a couple other games. Uh, Lacey 28 nothing over Central. But the one thing that stuck out, freshman running back for uh, Lacey. Joey Davis, 72 yards of a touchdown, also an interception um, on defense. Keensburg, did they they had to travel all the way down there to Haddon Township, right? They so did, they, yeah. They went it was worth the, the Bayshore went south. 
man, deep into South Jersey with uh, with the Berg and the Port. But yeah, 27 7 victory for Kingsburg over Haddon Township. James Valley, that's a uh, that's a Kingsburg name. Three TD passes. Kevin Perez kicked two field goals, three for three on extra points. Good solid win for the Titans after after a tough start. Uh, you know, they, they've come back with some victories. You know, if you have a Valley on your team at Keensburg, like good things are probably going to happen. Yeah. That's safe to say. So uh, then moving on down, Tom's River East, 41-12 over Lakewood. Uh, their quarterback, Anthony DeMarco, three total touchdowns. Brother quarterback, Brandon Paynes, two rushing touchdowns, picked off a pass on defense. And then Wall, Middle Township was an undefeated team, 5-0, and coming uh, up to Wall. Wall also without their quarterback, Andrew Olsen, but they stepped up and got a nice 20 to 14 win, uh, handed the Panthers their first loss, as I mentioned. And similar to beginning of the season, we talked about that Manalvin game being crucial because in the American division, like you got to try to win your win any game out of that. They didn't do it against Manalvin. They do it here. And that's big for Wall because with the schedule they play, they're still in the mix to make the playoffs. Like right now, they're kind of firmly in a playoff You get spot. so many points from playing yeah. that schedule, you know? Exactly. That- and then now you beat a five and O team. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I think that's wall's feeling is like, let's just survive this regular season. And then if we can get in the playoffs, it could, we could change the entire story of our season. Mm-hmm. If we can just get in there and get a couple wins, people totally forget about all the other stuff. Um, yes. As far as the struggles are concerned. Cause I, I, I give them a lot of credit because I really thought after that gut punch against Middletown South, when they had them dead to rights, and ended up losing there in the final two minutes that that really could have like spun them out. So to come back and get a win over obviously a really quality team, uh, that, that was a, a huge, huge game for them. Yeah. And especially because after that the tough loss to Middletown South, you know, they could play RBC and Donovan in back-to-back weeks and just get shut out in both games. And it's like, you can see it start to, you know, you can understand if it started to spiral and, Again, it gets frustrating. It's high school kids we're talking about here at the end of the day. You know, they're not professional athletes. So for them to turn around and come out with a win is big. Now they go back into the into the fire with Tom's River North this week. I mean, minus Micah Ford, but still, you know, a very, very formidable team, still a top 10 team in the state. So Wall's got a tantal this week, but you know, they look right now if you know they, they should be a playoff team. And if they get in and you know win a game there. You're right. Like that, that changes your whole season. So, and let's be honest. I mean, they may, they may drop out of the American division next year. Yeah. So if they can just get a nice solid foundation built and have a little playoff run here, that's big momentum. And then if they get a schedule, that's not as just complete, you know, maniacal as it's been next (laughs) year, you know, then they can really start building back to what they were, which, you know, they were a championship team. They were at the top of the shore there for a couple of years, yeah. you know. And so I think their feeling is if we can just get a somewhat manageable schedule and get our, you know, get it together to where, you know, we can rebuild everything completely, we'll be right back in the top 10. We'll be a factor again. And speaking of the top 10, uh, the American Division Wars continue this week with oh. uh, some more action. Yes, uh, Rumson Fairhaven at Donovan Catholic, uh, Middletown South at Red Bank Catholic, and then we mentioned the uh, the Wall Toms over North game. So, like every week, there's massive games in that division. There, there's still like on paper, there's still huge games, but in that division, it's like if it doesn't have division title implications, like you, not that you not ignoring it, but 
we could cover that division every single week. So those those are big games, but they're not the biggest games in the shore in terms of what's on the line. That would yeah, be. Yeah, I mean, Rumson is kind of you know, Rumson's kind of reeling a little bit. I mean, they mm-hmm. they got beat pretty bad by RBC in the end. There, Point Borough took it to them. Now they have a Donovan team that's not going to be thrilled either, coming off their mm-hmm. loss to St. Joe's. And that's a brutal defense to have to try to regroup against because they're and, really good. And Rumson, you know, they scored a third quarter touchdown. Their outstanding senior Nick Rigby uh, had the TD catch, um, and then he came up limping afterwards, exited the game, and did not return. So, like they, he again. I'm on the other side, the other sideline, looking across. Like, what can I tell from that? But. I think he was walking around, you know, moving it around, but he never went back in the game for whatever reason that is. I'm, listen, you're not going to – until you get it looked at, I'm sure you're not just going to send a kid back in the game if you think it's a knee or ankle or something like that. But bottom line is they need him out there if they're going to try to compete and beat Donovan Catholic. So that's something to watch there. And then can Rumson get its passing game kind of back on track? What Point Burr really did a good job of was just not they nothing over the top. You know, they had the 39-yard touchdown catch by Rigby was a an intermediate route that he caught, and two-point Burke has tried to converge on him and drop him immediately, and they, like, bumped into each other, and he just spun out and was gone. Other than that, Rumson didn't have a completion long, longer than nine yards till their final drive of the game when O'Toole was just driving back and airing it out. So, you know, while Point Burke did an awesome job, you know, against that, like, you're not going to – you're not going to be able to dink and dunk your way to a win over Donovan. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Like you have to start attacking the field further down the field because if you don't, they're just going to stack everybody up near the line of scrimmage. You're never going to get the running game going. And O'Toole will be running for his life because that D line gets upfield really mm-hmm. fast uh, yeah. for Donovan Catholic. So yeah, it's, this is kind of the, you know, when coaches talk about, you know, almost the war of attrition in the American division, like you said, now Rigby's a little banged up and it, you start mm-hmm. almost like you have to just make business decisions, you know, like, all right, yeah. division's not going to happen. Our real goal is group two. So if we have to rest this guy or this guy's got to sit out or, you know, we have to make the decision here and there, that's what we're going to do. Cause the American mm-hmm. division just forces you to do that. You know, like Middletown South at RBC, RBC, clearly the heavy favorite there. Um, but like, you know, South just getting everybody healthy, like they're obviously they want to win this game. No question. They, they don't back down from anybody. Um, but I'm sure they're, they're little, there's a little tiny feeling deep inside. That's like, we need to get out of this game with all of our Mm -hmm. stars, like intact after finally getting them all back, you know, against a very physical and fast RBC defense, um, that has basically crushed every run game that it's faced this year. Yeah. You know, so I, I think that's that's a tall order for them. We talked about Pinelands, TR South, and then yes, Jackson Marlboro, another huge one. Like this is it. We're at we're already at like title time with these games. You know, like somebody's going to be taking home a division title in the Pinelands TR South game again. A lot of times, the winner will have to win a subsequent game if they want to keep the whole thing for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jackson and Marlboro is very interesting too, just because it's traditional power longtime power jackson against upstart marlboro and like who's going to come out on top i mean on paper i just look at it like well no one stopped jonah glenn so like until proven otherwise you got to think jackson mm-hmm. is the favorite in this just because they have a guy of that caliber and you know marlboro has matt cassidy 
So it's not yeah. like they their side doesn't have someone to counter with, but Glenn is just getting better and better every week. He really is. And and they they talked about him being a special player. Um, even last season when he got in that Millville game and you know, when I covered their, their season opener, that crazy win over Manalpin, you know, their head coach Vin Mistrat has said as much, and he's a special player. Like we, you know, we have a lot high expectations and hopes for him. And he has, you know, he's met, I'm sure, all the expectations you know they've had so far. Manalpin and or excuse me, Marlboro and Jackson have they've played the last two years. I mean, last year Jackson won 27-20 um in a game where that was the week after they lost their quarterback, AJ Schwartz, to an injury. So they get to come right out and play a Jackson team. They lost, you know, 27-20 uh, in the year before Jackson won a 19-14, uh, you know, game. And that was actually, uh, I believe that kept Middletown or Marlboro out of the playoffs that year. So a little bit of history, at least recently, between these two programs. And they've been close games. So, you know, Marlboro is going to be jacked up for that. You know, same thing with Jackson, just knowing it's a big game. It's a program that's used to playing in big games. Be a fun one. Like you have you the the two games, the two non-American division games that are big for division title implications. You have these two, you know, old A South teams, one of which is a championship contender every season, another of which and Tom's are South that you know had a, a good amount of success. And then these, you know, these programs that are kind of new to this with Marlboro, which has you know been knocking on the door for the last couple of years, and then Pinelands, which has shown showed a lot of growth last season in the first year under John Tierney, and obviously got off to the four and zero start. So you have that contrast there. So the, there's a lot of intriguing storylines from those games, and uh, I'm excited to see how they play out. Yeah, absolutely. And I I, I do love the Jackson Marlboro game because it's strength on strength. Mm-hmm. Like you both know, what we're going to do. We both got good running backs. We're coming right downhill at you. We have good, you know, defenses. Like who's going to win that battle in the trenches? And I think you made a smart comment earlier when it was like Jaden Hernandez and Del Shandro could play a major role in a game mm-hmm. like this as being like, yeah. okay, you sold out on the run. Those guys leaked behind your defense. They threw it right over your head and scored like a mm-hmm. pivotal touchdown. So yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm definitely looking forward um, to that. So that's week five wrapped up and the, the top games to look for in week six. It was an eventful weekend elsewhere in <laughs> sports wise and in my per- I was Sunday I was up at Pingree for my daughter's soccer game and then back I ran into all the all the Long Branch uh assistant coach Nick Tran- Tranquina uh at one of the uh one of my daughter's soccer games so it's like you cannot escape shore conference football anywhere I go but um Notre Dame that I was, was gonna say. I mean, come on. I thought I, I thought I was gonna have to drive over to your house and defibrillate you at the end of that Duke game. I woke my wife up from like a dead sleep on the couch when Audric Esme went for that touchdown. She's like, "Wow, well, like what's going on? What happened?" I'm like Notre Dame, you're out of your mind. Yes, I am out of my mind. But yeah, that was a that was a wild one. I mean, Notre Dame up, looking like they're gonna kind of coast, just couldn't put it away, and they're like, "Here comes Duke," and it's like, "Oh no!" Like. It's the whole, like, we can't lose to Duke. Yeah, like, that's the low-hanging fruit. They're a good team, but it's like, you just had the ultimate gut punch with the loss to Ohio State. Like, please don't let this one slip away. And then, like, Sam Hartman, like, all heart, onions, whatever you want to say. Like, that just run made some on huge fourth down. Oh, it was tremendous. Knew he was going to take a shot, like, went in there like John Elway. It was, uh, it was a fun win. Like, they're a likable team. 
they were painting they were painting the for sale signs in south bend waiting to jam them into marcus freeman's front lawn and then they just put them back they quietly just put them back in the basement for another yes. week yeah it was, it was a huge win uh no doubt and they still control their own destiny in terms of if you went out um and you, and you root for ohio state to win you know win the big tw- uh 10 championship because you know, if Notre Dame does that, they'll have a win over USC under the belt, which you know, USC have been rolling everybody, but they cannot, they played zero defense. Yeah. So you just give it to Audrey Estimate 50 times. You do the case on Anderson and then you hope for the best. And you just kill game. the clock. So, yeah. You just your Wildcats made it interesting for a little I know. bit. I know it was 10 10 at halftime against Penn State. That's my brother's alma mater, too. So it's like, you know, that was you stump never, ball. That's right. Yeah. It was the stump ball. So yeah, you never really want to. Get totally blown out in that game. But, I mean, they were favored by, like, 28 points. So, the fact that it was even tied at halftime. But their defense just crushed us. I think Ben Bryan, our quarterback, got hurt near the end. And they blasted us in the second. Their pass rush is insane. They sacked seven sacks. Like, they're all over us. Although, I will say, our defense made Drew Aller look pretty mediocre. He did not look that great. And this is the guy that you're going to be depending on to either beat Michigan or Ohio State or both of them. Yeah. So, you know, I, I I think the jury's still out on him a little bit Um, after, you know, because we're not, you know, we're two and three. We're not that great. So the yeah. fact that, like, we were kind of giving them fits there for a while might be a little bit of cause for concern for them. Again, they did wax us in the end. It was 41 to 13 or whatever, but yeah. Um, yeah, we gave him, I was getting all these texts from people like, oh, they're right in it. I was like, yeah, I, just give it some time. I think reality <laughs> set in. Give it some time. The uh, there was almost a couple less up, upsets. I mean, how about Auburn taking Georgia to the wire? And Auburn, one of their captains, former Rumson Fairhaven standout yes. Elijah McAllister, just one of the great dudes that you're going to meet. You know, just super high character individual, was such an awesome kid to, to talk to and interact with that Rumson. Went to Vanderbilt, played there, was a standup, was a captain, grad transfer to Auburn, where he is, again, a captain. It's like wherever he goes, like immediately people gravitate towards him as a leader. And he played really well in that game. Yeah, he had a initially had a fumble recovery that ended up being Mm -hmm. called overturned because it wasn't ruled a fumble. But, yeah, he was right in the middle of a lot of big plays. Um, But, yeah, what a career for him. Yeah. And if I remember growing up, he was a basketball player. Like yeah. when before he got to Rumson, and that was like his thing, and they kind of coaxed him out to the football team. Mm-hmm. And now look at him; it's like changed his whole. He's on that Keith Kirkwood, uh, yeah, trajectory, you know, where they not a bad you know, one to have. Yeah, exactly. Kirkwood's getting himself a nice paycheck from the New Orleans Saints yeah. now. So, yeah, and uh, you know, fingers crossed for our guy Kenny Pickett. You know, Steelers starting quarterback right. left that game with a, what looked like a knee injury, and he walked off pretty gingerly. Couldn't put much weight on it. Um, I haven't seen the the injury updates on him. So hopefully Kenny's all right and he can get back out there playing because you don't obviously you don't want to see anyone get injured. Certainly not our our guys in the shore. Uh, so best wishes to Kenny there. There was another there was game on the, Sunday uh, night, which there was the uh yeah. yeah. The, I think somebody was in the stands at the game. I can't remember. Most of most of the focus was on the game and everything, you know. I'm uh um, I don't know how long it's going to take me. It's not the loss that bothers me. It's the way it went down. Like, man, that non-call on what was a clear holding penalty against Jermaine Johnson on the play where Patrick McCone scrambled for a first down on third and 24. Like, I, I can't I can't get over that. Like, the, the penalty afterwards that on 
Sauce Gardner that negated the interception. I don't. I think that's kind of a bogus call too, especially how the flag was thrown. But the other one was so plain and obvious. Like, what what are we doing here? Like, what? This is supposed to be the highest level. I mean, his sport. hands are in the air, waving yeah. as like his hello. The guy's like holding on to me. He's trying to like, punch the guy's hand off of him, yeah. and he's like, "No, we're not throwing that flag." I know. And so, afterwards, Mahomes is like, "You know, it's my speed and this." Now I'm like, "No, it's the fact that like." This is becoming like Jordan in the mid nineties where it's like the guy's already a star. He doesn't need to yeah. get every call like in his favor on top of it. So, and the yeah, chiefs are, they're a great team, but the jets defense really rose up at safety by Bryce Huff, you know, kind of ignited them. And we think we, they play great against like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. They have made look quite pedestrian. Think about this in both of those games, Zach Wilson outplayed the opposing quarterback. Now, granted, the week one game was certainly a little different with Rodgers going down with the exploding Achilles and right. Wilson coming and just kind of just doing enough. But this last night, like he legit outplayed Patrick Mahomes. Like he looked amazing. That was the big yeah, joke, right? All the memes snap, were like, but... all the memes were like Taylor Swift and her friends yeah. pointing and being like, "Oh, this Zach guy is like way better than Mahomes." Yeah, maybe we should trade for him. Yeah. But no, I think the. Uh... The the main take the main question I take away from all this right for about a quarter and a half Zach Wilson looked like he did at BYU yes like back shoulder throws on the money super confident zipping that touchdown real decisive ripping the ball in there like attacking downfield no like you know dink four yard pass on third and eleven like actually putting pressure on the defense so like my question is did he find something. Or did he just have like the Will Ferrell debate <laughs> from old school, like where he just like went into like a like a blackout and then like came out of it? I mean, certainly it's funny how it, our Jets fandom has just conditioned us to believe like nothing good is real. It's kind of sad, but look, this is the life we have chosen for ourselves. The encouraging part is that he again he looked like he did at BYU, but you see why the success was happening. It was. Whatever it was a three-step drop. His back foot hit on three and the ball was out. You know, and if he clutched it, like he immediately got off his reads and was like, get out of the pocket and use your creativity. Like he did the things that have made him, you know, made him the number two overall pick. He played to his skill set. I think Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator, did a really good job calling plays to his skill set. And it also helps when it's like, look, we're just gonna get the ball to Garrett Wilson as many times as possible. Like it's not rocket science, and you know, they, when they made targeted it happen, him so. fourteen times. Like it was, yeah, ridiculous. which is what it it should be. Which is awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. A, if they're going to the throw anybody that many times. That catch, yeah, he made on the sideline, like fingertips yes. dragging the knee. I mean, he is a special player. Well, we're gonna so we'll get an answer. We'll definitely get an answer because they play the Broncos next week, who are the garbage defense of all time. Yeah. The Dolphins put 70 on them. The Bears had them dead. Justin right. Fields looked like the Ohio State Justin yeah. Fields, right? They're well, just like words, turning back the clock for everybody. If Zach Wilson can't go in there and score on him, then it was just a mirage that happened. Yeah, Chiefs it was fool's gold so, if that happened. And then, yeah. honestly, that's the season. You lose that game, you're one and four, like it's over. And then you have to play the Eagles the following week. Yeah, and yeah. that's so, it. So it's the, last, I think it's the last gasp. Even like with, you know, in the preseason, you know, a analyzing it with the assumption that obviously Rodgers is their quarterback. You said if they can get out these first six games, three and three, four and two, like, man, they're in really good shape. So if they can beat Denver and then if you want to assume a loss to the Eagles, okay, you're two and four. So you're like a game behind or two where, and without Rodgers, 
and then the schedule in the second half is much easier. All right, then we got something going. So yeah. we just need to Never pummel the beat the daylights out of Denver, which yes. I think the nice thing is the Jets are probably a little angry after that game where it's like we played well enough to win that game and like kind of got hosed with some calls. And now we got this team that was like talking major trash about like our coaches and like players right. like, uh-uh. And like you see when that defense gets fired up, like they they could not – the Chiefs could not block the Jets' defense like at all. Like Bryce Huff was an animal. Like Quinn and Williams was unstoppable. Yep. Johnson. And the Broncos have not exactly – protected russell wilson that great this year so i'm i'm encouraged yeah i mean she seeing sean payton eat another loss would just be a real shame be real upset about that i wouldn't be mad about it <laughs> yeah so hopefully they can uh they can keep things keep their heart beating after this mm-hmm. week we'll see but no i'm excited for this week of shore conference football because yeah we we got some couple championship games on deck which yeah. we gotta love teams potentially ending long division title droughts. Like fan base is gonna be their peak frenzy. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's gonna be it's gonna be a good weekend. Yeah, Just some cool and different storylines. Yeah, don't even. It's not supposed to. So please do not speak that into existence. <laughs> we need we need the dome, the high school dome. That'll be like Allen, Texas debuting like the first dome or some of those crazy Texas schools. Like we. Have room for 28,000 people. I can't even fathom that, but that's another conversation. So that'll do it for us. I'm Bob Batters. He's Scott Stump. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, Make sure you uh, download and subscribe, like all that fun stuff, Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, also make sure to check out our other uh, football podcasts offering the Varsity Coaches Corner. You can watch it uh, on our website, usually up every Thursday. And then also there in podcast form. So we should have another good show when we record this Wednesday. Looking forward to that. So thanks again, everybody. Enjoy the games uh, this coming weekend, and we'll talk to you later.